Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, our sermon series this month is what makes a family and what makes a church? What makes a family? In part one this morning, we're going to title this Adopted into Love. Adopted into Love. But what makes a family? What makes a family? In, uh, at 72 years old, uh, Denise took one of those ancestry tests, one of those things where you send your DNA off, uh, and they tell you who your family is. And she sends this an, uh, ancestry DNA test off. She gets it back, and she discovers, I don't match anybody in my family. And instead, through some work of her and her, her family, they would discover that she actually matched another lady in Minnesota who is named Denise. Linda and Denise found out that in 1945 in Minnesota, they were switched at birth. That just happened this year. At 72 years old, she had been living a lie. One of them would find out that she was raised a redhead in a family of blondes, and now it made sense. And the other one would find out, I know now why I have been unathletic in a family of athletes. Because for 72 years, the other was living in the other person's stead. Anybody ever felt out of place in your family? or, or not, Maybe not that much. But can you imagine at 72 years old finding out this is not my family. But for 72 years, they lived as if it was. And, and uh, each was supposed to be another person. So what makes a family? Uh, the Bible uh, dictionary says that family can be defined as a descendant of a common ancestor. And uh, talking to our staff, you know, we say, well, what makes a family? Our first inclination is to say blood, right? Blood makes a family. We're a blood family. We're, we're bound by blood. It's the DNA. But yet for 72 years... They didn't know what their DNA was, and I can't see DNA outwardly. So what really makes a family? Is it biology? Uh, you know, and sometimes biology is a very poor indicator of family. You know, the statistics say that when we talk about child abuse, four out of five abusers are a victim's family. That, that's normally family is the one that's abusing a child, and the most common form in America is neglect. So how does a biological mom or dad neglect theirs? If, if family is biology, then, then how does that happen? And maybe even here today, some of us have experienced the brokenness of a biological family. We're dealing with those hurts and those scars. Uh, even in my own family, I can tell you that my mom and dad became the adopted parents, or pretty much adopted parents, to several of my cousins, many whose families had broken apart by divorce or drugs. Two of my cousins became very much close as brothers and sisters to me because their mom had abandoned them at a very, very young age. And so again, even our family struggled, well, how does a biological mom or dad not have that innate love? And where does that come from if, if it's not biology? I was thinking about bringing my, home, my two girls home from the hospital uh, and uh, did, I, did I love them because of some innate ability? And we could talk about science and all that. There's this innate love, reason to love. But what if my daughters had been switched at birth with somebody else? I don't know. I'm pretty sure they act like their mom. Uh, but, uh, not really. Uh, but, but I believed that that little baby girl was mine, and I chose to love her. Whether we can take the semantics of that or not, but because I believe she was mine, I loved her. If, if you had told me this is not my kid, I probably would have changed my love in that moment. You said, this isn't your kid. I would have been like, wait, 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 I don't love, no, 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 I love this one over here, even though I've, I've never 
that child has never, I've never met her. She's never done anything for me. But because I believed she was mine, I chose to love her. Are you with me this morning? So there's this, this idea of, of choice and love because of a belief. Something I believed caused me to choose to love this person. And, and the same is uh, in this room today. Uh, no doubt there is a variety of types of families, and this is how my family is. Maybe, maybe in your family there's foster kids. There might be adopted people in your family. Uh, some of us have adopted maybe grandchildren in this room or nephews or nieces uh, are now a part of your family. It might even be neighbor's kids. I, I, growing up, uh, my best friend... Uh, uh, was very tight to my family, and it was like he was one of my, I never had a brother or sister, and so he kind of became my brother, and even today, he, call, he didn't even call me, he calls my mom to check in on Thanksgiving and Christmas, and he's my best friend, and he's just as close to my parents as I am sometimes, and so uh, your family may be diverse, right? You may have a, a different type of family, and it's because families choose love. Biology is not necessarily what makes a good family, but it's families that choose love. Somebody say amen. amen. It's families choose love. What makes a family? Families choose love. And that's what I want you to remember today throughout the end of this sermon is that families choose love. And finding your faith is a lot like finding your family. Finding your church is a lot like finding your family. And some are sitting in churches today all across America that are really not a part of God's family. And it's not for reasons of biology, it's for reasons of love, and it's this. Maybe today you have been broken and abused by a biological family. Maybe you feel unwanted and unloved because there was problems in your biological family. Or maybe you're sitting here today that you've gone through some churches that really weren't defined by love, and you've been broken and hurt by churches. Or maybe today you're sitting here and you just have this fear of God that you don't even know that, that there is this love. You, don't, you have this sense that I'm not sure if God loves me or not. And you may be on any spectrum or that or somewhere else, but every person and God's family must be adopted into his love. And that's what we're talking about today, adopted into love. And are you certain you are in the family of God? All right, before we leave this place today, I want every person to be able to say, I know that I know that I am in the family of God because families choose love. So look with me in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to talk about this month, what makes a family, what makes a church be a family and what makes a family be the church? And number one is that families choose love. Let me give you the background to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. That's where I'm at. But we've got to discover our spiritual biology this morning, okay? Uh, the Bible in Ephesians, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church, and he, he wants them really, in a sense, to discover their spiritual biology. And he, and he basically says, guys, we all, as Gentiles, that's who we are, we're non-Jews, we all have bad spiritual DNA by nature. In a sense, he says, you take after a lot after your dad. Anybody ever told you that before? You take a lot after your mom or your dad when you act that way, right? Uh, and he says, we by nature... We, we were 
uh, Paul says in another, uh, another book, he says, you were children of wrath. You were headed for destruction. And he says that we took on these sinful natures and sinful pleasures of our father, this devil, this liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. That we began to be corrupted by this and act like this. And so uh, we were excluded. He says you were spiritually dead. You were outsiders from the love of God. And you were an unwanted child from an unwanted father. That's who you were. That's who I am. That's who I was. And he says there was these other kids called Jews, and they had this spiritual pedigree. They had the good DNA. They're from the right side of the track. And, and they thought they were all that. They had Abraham and the lineage. They had the good DNA. They thought they were the, they went to the prep school, right? They had the right dress code, the right everything. They talked right, talked good. They had the good money. That's, you know, just put in layman's terms here. And then something happened. The good son really went bad. And we were excluded, and the good son's gone bad, and Jesus comes to the earth. God so loves the world, he sends his son, and Jesus upsets the family dynamic. He changes the whole thing. He upsets the whole order of it all. And while the Jews think they all have it together and we're all outcasts, Jesus comes, he upsets the biology. And Luke begins to tell us about this. Uh, Jesus comes, he criticizes the religious elite. He says that you're nothing like your ancestor Abraham. He says, in a sense, when my kingdom comes, it's going to divide father and son, mother and daughter. It's going to separate families. He even tells one guy, he says, don't go bury your father. Let the dead bury the dead. To another, he wants to go back and tell his family bye. He says, don't go back because you're never going to come back and follow me. My calling is more important than telling your family bye. I mean, this guy is radically legit. I mean, it's like, who does that? I mean, Jesus, don't you know that it's family? And he tells one time his mom and, and, and his brothers and, and stuff come to hear him preach. And they say, Jesus, your mom's outside. And he says, no, 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 hold on. I'm preaching. These are my moms. These are my dads. These are my family right here. You say, whoa, there. That's, a, that's, a that's going to get you slapped in the south. You don't ever talk. About, you don't ever make mama wait outside while you're talking to somebody. That's a, that's a general rule where you're going to come out with some teeth missing or something, right? Because that's the family dynamic. And Jesus sets a new precedent. He says, there's a different allegiance when it comes to a new DNA coming in, a new spiritual biology, a new way of thinking. And he says, you've got to even hate your unsaved biological family in comparison to how much you're going to love God and your new born-again family. It's something completely, and it even offends us right now in this room today. No, 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 I don't, I don't think that's true, Pastor. You've got to reread those scriptures. I'm telling you the truth. This is the gospel. This is the words of Christ. He says there's new allegiances, and it's because you and I have been and can be adopted into love. No longer, Jesus would come in and he's saying, there's no longer a spiritual pedigree that you've got to have, and no longer will you be excluded as foreigners, as strangers, as aliens. There is a way that we're going to bring both things into one family. And God was so rich in mercy that he loved us, and he would save us through his son's death and resurrection so that both sides could repent have their sins washed away by believing in faith, being, having, having been born again, having eternal life, and that gets us to Ephesians 1, 3. Somebody say amen. Are you with me? How is it that we become the family of God? 
How is it that you and I become the family of God? And it's this, that you become adopted into love. You're adopted as an unwanted child from an undeserving father, an unloving father, but you be adopted. Ephesians 1, 3, let's just read this real quick. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He calls him Father. Everybody say Father. He's your Father. He says, Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Everybody say every. Do you believe that? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. And he says, in love, that's an amazing love, he predestined us to what? Adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to what? The kind intention of his will. And he says, it's to the praise of the glory of his grace, and he has freely bestowed on us and the beloved, that's Jesus, in him we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished. You see all these action words. He has lavished on us. If you read the Bible boring, I'm sorry, but you've got to read it with some intensity because that's how he's writing it. He's saying, guess what? This is the best news ever. Blessed be our Father who has given us every spiritual blessing. In heaven, everything, everything has been given to you because he chose you, Job, before the foundation of the world. Even when you were dead in your sins, he said, and you were in this, this sin-filled orphanage run by the devil, he says, I want that dirty, no-good kid right there. I want the one that nobody wants. I want that one. And I just can picture God going into that, that orphanage of sin and wrapping us in his loving arms and carrying us out, putting us in his warm embrace and saying, you are not who you were, now you're mine. That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. I love what the New Living says. He says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us closer to himself through Jesus Christ. It's what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. That God so loved the world that if we would repent and believe by faith in what he's done through his son Jesus Christ, we can receive the adoption as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And I, I have been thinking about this all week and trying to just rack my brain around it, and I, I, I really just come falling short of how awesome it is. I even got mad at myself. I was like, Heath, you're not getting it. You're just not getting it. There's something there that you're not getting. And we're going to talk a little bit more about it tonight. But that word adoption in Roman times did not just mean like you're not his kid, but now you are. It actually means also when a young boy would come of age and receive all the inheritance, that he would legally be the heir of his father's estate. And for Paul here, he's saying it's not just that you are exiles and foreigners and now you're not, and you're family. He's saying now you get everything God gave Jesus. I'm like, what? No, 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 that can't be true. There's no way God would do that. I mean, but he says every heavenly blessing. We look a lot at blessing in the world. We think I want a car, a house, money in the bank, 
I want a cruise, I want a retirement, I just want peace and quiet where my kids aren't bothering me. You know, like, we look at all these things, and this is what I want. But I think about the incomparable blessings of Christ, what he gives us is this love and this joy and this peace and this patience. And what does God have that he can't buy, right? I don't care. He didn't care about streets of gold. But there's something unimaginable, things that we haven't even seen or heard about that God has in store for you and for me. And I want to get captivated by it. I want to be like... That is what awaits me because I have been adopted. And I want to think about how amazing is it that God chose to adopt us? How amazing that you and I, that he did not just spare us in mercy, but Paul says he lavished us in grace. I don't often think of myself in this way. I'm a very kind of hard on myself, you do better, you need to do better, you need to stop that, you need to push for, push for. And sometimes you just got to sit and say, my gosh, why do you, how much I've got in Christ and how much he loves me and how much he has done for me and that everything is going to be okay because my father owns everything and he has everything prepared in heaven that I could ever dream of or ever want. And it's not just stuff, but he's lavished me with every heavenly blessing. We need to tap into that today. And how does this happen? Jesus says, we've got to get to this place. How, do I get, how, do I, how does this happen to me? He, I, don't, I don't know. Jesus says, you've got to be born again. He says in John 3, it's this mystery of the Spirit. And Paul would say in Ephesians, he says, you will be sealed with the Spirit of, of redemption, this Holy Spirit. You'll be sealed with the Holy Spirit, like a letter with the wax. You're going to be sealed. And he says, it's going to be this spiritual guarantee and Jesus says, you can't, see, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't see the kingdom of heaven unless you've been born again. And it's like the wind blowing. You can't explain it. I can't tell it to you. I can't describe it to you on paper. But Paul says, you should know. You, you have to know. There's, there's this spiritual proof. There's this new imperishable DNA that when you get saved, the Holy Spirit makes you a member of God's family through Christ. And you become this dwelling place, he says in Ephesians 2.22, where God lives. And so now no longer do you feel like a stranger. Nobody came and, and told my daughter, hey, you, ha you know, she didn't have to get explained that she's my daughter. She knows because she has a relationship with me. She hears my voice. I'm I'm with her at home when she goes to bed, when she wakes up, and throughout the days I've, I've prayed over her, talked to her, taught her things, and she's with me majority of the time, right, till they go to school. But, but I didn't have to have a class. I didn't have to have her sign a membership. I didn't have to totally remind her, hey, you're my daughter, you're my daughter, you're my daughter. Can somebody tell me, and she's not going around to her teachers, who's my daddy? Do you know who my daddy is? Do you, do you know? She's not asking her teachers that every day and wondering or in fear of me. She knows who her father is. And it, that's the same way with salvation. I don't have to tell you that you're saved. You should know it. You should sense it. You should have a confidence in it that, yes, I know who my father is. And it's not the devil who abandoned me, abused me. And it's not this world who doesn't care about you and will put you on the side of the road at a moment's notice. But I have a father who is in heaven, and he never lets me go. I know that I'm saved. And he says there's this born-again life in Christ experience that you know that I have spiritual proof inside of me that I can cry out Abba, which means father. I can cry out daddy, daddy. It's something dwelling within me. It's a new DNA. 
evident of the Holy Spirit. So here's the question for us, number one today. How do you become part of God's family? You must be born again by faith, and that means repenting of your sin and turning from your old way of living, your old way of thinking, your old father and his old tricks and his old nature, and turning to a new father and taking on his characteristics and his nature, not because you're choosing to, but because there's something living within you that comes forth from that. I'm going to always struggle maybe with that old nature, but there's something different. I was talking to a pastor friend the other day about this very experience that how many of us in the American world today don't have this confidence, this born again, we, we just say, raise your hand, come to the altar. We don't have this uh, spiritual experience that I just met God that day. I just know him. And do we go throughout our lives having this awareness of God, even as Christians, we go to church. I'm not talking about going into church. I'm not talking about paying your tithes or your taxes or anything like that. I'm saying throughout the days, throughout the weeks, do you have this awareness that you have been adopted into love? And do you know, because families choose love, do you know that God has chosen you? Do you know it? I can't know it for you. I can't preach it at you. You have got to know, because of the word of God, by faith, I know I have been adopted. I feel something. How many people, when you come to worship, you feel something? Not just the words and emotion and hype. I, I sense God on the inside. That's salvation. So that's how you become God's family, but how do you be God's family? Uh, what makes a family is what makes a church. And we said families choose love. So the first principle is here, being God's family is not our biology or religious pedigree, but it's that you and I have chosen love. No doubt those ladies, uh, at the beginning, of the, we talked about those ladies in 72 years old. No doubt, even though their biology was different, can't you imagine, even for 72 years, you've been with your family and you raised by your mom or dad, you probably picked up traits from their non-biological parents. They probably like to eat the same thing. They probably went to the same movies. They probably like the same stuff. Because there's some things, it's not biology. There's some things just because this is my dad, whether it's my biology or not, because there's the choice of love. And, and we have to take on mannerisms of our uh, heavenly father in the same way. He might not have been our original father. We, we, we know that we had this old, born, old dead nature, and now we've been born again, and now I have to take on that nature. So what makes a family is what makes a church, and families choose love. And Paul says in Ephesians 3, says, I'm praying that church, you would, I'm praying for you that you could have roots that grow down deep into God's love. You could understand his love, what is the, the width of it, the, the breadth of it, what is the length of it, what is the height of it, what is the depth of it, and that through the Holy Spirit into your innermost being with all of the saints, you would understand, comprehend the love because God has adopted you into love. Now you all are the family of God. You've been adopted into love, and you've been adopted into love, and you've been adopted into love, and so now we are all God's family, and we've got to act like it. You know, there's this uh, bird. Uh, it's called a cuckoo bird. Anybody ever heard of this before? This cuckoo bird, there's a, there's a certain branch of the cuckoo bird that will go lay their eggs in somebody else's nest. 
This is how this works. I'm a Discovery Channel freak. And, and he'll, she'll go lay her eggs in somebody else's nest, and the eggs may look or not look alike, but that chick will hatch. That chick is two times larger than the other chicks, and it begins to squawk louder and beak louder, and mom has to feed that chick twice as much. And some of those birds are really mean, and they will push other chicks out of the nest, even eggs out of the nest, because they are hungry. And here's this little bitty mama bird feeding this ginormous cuckoo bird, and she doesn't even notice for some reason. I don't know. But, but, you know, the Bible says that sometimes in our religious services, some people are not always who they seem to be. Who is and who is not the family of God? And, and that cuckoo bird does not have the same nature as maybe that swallow or that finch, but it's in the same nest. And there are biblical signs of our nature. I got to tell you that you have to know on the inside that you're born again, but some people have been born into church, but not born into God. That, that cuckoo bird was born in that finch's nest. It doesn't know what it is. It maybe even grows up thinking it's a finch. I don't know. But it's born in the same nest, but it's not the same bird. You can have a relationship with the church in this program religious setting and come to this service every week, every day, every year. You can tithe, you can be a Sunday school teacher, you can be on the worship team, you can sing good and still not be born again. That's a scary thing. And John uh, is quick to warn his church, the Apostle John, at the end of his life, he basically says, guys, don't be deceived in this last days. Not everyone is going to be who they claim to be. Who is and who is not the family of God? That was the question of the day. What does it mean to be God's family? He says, here's the catch, 1 John 3, 8. He says, those who make a habit of sinning and do not love other believers, they are showing their true father is the devil. And then he goes on in chapter 3, verse 9. He says, but on the other side, those who have been born into God's family They're not going to make a practice, a habit of sinning because God's life is in them. And he says, further, if they are people who are loving their brothers and sisters who are believers, it's proving they have passed from death into life. It's not the loving of others that saves you, but that's the evidence and the result that we should look at in our churches and say, because we've been adopted into love by God, families choose love. I have to choose to love you. You know, um, you may have, uh, and I'll just be honest, you may have a deadbeat relative in your family, and that maybe it's a deadbeat brother or sister, or, or someone who just annoys the fire out of you, and this person may be on drugs, they may have written some, stolen some checks or your checkbook, they may have been stolen grandma's jewelry, they could, they could have done a lot of things, but what do you always say? I have to love them. They ask you for money all the time, and maybe you help them some, maybe you help them don't, whatever. Uh, but you, what is it? But you, 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 someone asked you, why are you always doing that? Well, they're family. Well, they're family. If a stranger did you that way, you'd call the cops. You'd put them in jail, put them in there for 25 years. Maybe you did that to some of your family. I'm not saying you couldn't, shouldn't. You should have boundaries and consequences in family. I'm not saying all that. But there's something about, because you believe that you got the same blood, the same biology, some cells in a microscope match. You have made a choice to love that person, even though they act like somebody else that's not right in the head, right? That, that you've made a choice to love. It's not because of bi- biology doesn't tell you to do that. It's because in your mind, you know that's what families are supposed to do. 
somewhere along the line, you've made a choice. Because they're family, I choose to love them no matter what. If they're in jail, if they're in the ditch, if they're cussing you out at Thanksgiving dinner, next year, somehow or another, they're invited again. I don't know how that works. But, but come on, let's be honest. I know some of y'all's families. Like, it, that's how it is. They're family. You have to have Christmas with them, even if you hate it, because they're family. Because you've chosen to love them. And I wish the American church would get that. So much skipping and hopping and moving around and all this, but we have to make a choice. It's every believer is not perfect, including this pastor. We all make mistakes. We are not all the same. We're all different. We are a bunch of adopted, different-looking, different-acting people. But because we've been adopted into love, because our Father who is in heaven chose to love us, we have to. Not because we want to. We have to choose to love others in this group of body, this body of believers. That goes to other churches that we don't like or are different to. Because they're born again, because they're adopted into love, I have to love you. I have to sacrifice for you. I have to accept you. I have to forgive you. I have to want to get along with you. It's not a choice. It's not a, 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 a choice. It's a command. It's that I know you're my family. And according to God's spiritual DNA, the body of believers come even before biological, earthly, sinful family crazy i didn't write it i didn't make up the rules i'm just telling you don't blame me talk to god about it but if we are going to be healthy as a church if you don't get this today here's what's going to happen number one if you don't get that you can be adopted into love that god chose to love you you'll never find peace with god you'll never be at peace with god you're always wondering does god hate me did god love me you'll be asking pastors who's my daddy You'll be going out to Sunday school teachers, small group leaders. Who's my daddy? Who, who am I loved? I, and you have be this most insecure Christian ever. You won't have any confidence when the devil comes knocking and lying about you. You'll believe every lie. You'll go to Hollywood, young people, and care what they care about and what they look like and what they listen to. You'll care more about what the world thinks than what your father thinks. And you'll be the most screwed up in the head Christian because you don't know who your daddy is. That's number one thing that's going to happen if you don't get this today. Number two thing is if you don't get this today, you'll never find not only peace with God, you'll never find peace in a church. Someone's always going to offend you. Someone's always going to do things you don't like. The worship may not go like you want it. The preaching may not be like you like it. The things in the church may not go like you want to go. That's okay. We're family. Get over it. We're family. And I don't, you can go to a different church. There'll be family too, and you'll probably get offended there. And, and that's just the way it goes. Because we're family, I choose to love you. And family means having honest conversations. It might mean having a fight in the backyard after turkey. I don't know. But we're going to get through it because we're family, right? And we may have to bail one of you out of jail, but we're still calling you family, right? I mean, it's family, and it's the thing of the church. I've, I've got to know that we have been adopted, that God chose us, and I'm going to willing to choose you too. He chose to love me, so I'm going to choose to love you. Family is a choice, and what makes a family is what makes a church. A good family chooses love, and a good church chooses love too. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Families choose love. What makes a family is what makes a church. If you want to have peace with God, 
and you want to have peace in a church, you have to choose love. I'm going to give you the challenge today is number one, ask you this question. Have you been adopted into love? Religious pedigree, church attendance, church tithing, going to church. You may be, you can be that cuckoo bird in somebody else's nest. It's not the religious biology that makes you who you are. It's that we repent of our sins. We believe by faith that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And he did what he said he did. And God, with his warm embrace, accepts you as you are. And he comes on the inside, fills you with the Holy Spirit, gives you that seal of redemption. And it says that he lavishes you with every spiritual blessing in the heavens, that all of your inheritance is now in and through Christ, that you become the righteousness of God in Christ. You are who he says you are. Are, do you know that today? Can you say that I sense God on a daily basis? I know that I'm not what I was. And maybe you're still struggling with that old nature. That's okay. We, my, my kids are my kids, but they still don't always act like I want them to act. But they're still my kids because they know that we have a relationship. They honor me and I love them. Do you know that you know? that you have God living on the inside of you. You've got a new spiritual DNA. That's the first question you have to ask. And number two, maybe you're here today. You've been hurt by a biological family. Maybe you've been hurt by a church family. Maybe there's things that you've got to get over. Maybe it's prejudice. Maybe it's judgmentalism. Maybe it's stopping the gossip. Maybe it's things that are hurting you and your relationship with other people. Maybe because you've been hurt by a biological or another church family, you're really distant to be intimate in relationship with the church. You're very hesitant to be involved and get all in because of those things. Today's the day to let all that go, to choose love and say, you know what? This is my family. This is where God has called you to be, and that I'm going to go all in and I want you this week to begin to think, how can I adopt somebody else into love? How can I choose to love somebody in my church family, whether this church or another? Who can you show love to on an intentional, uh, in an intentional way this week? Maybe it's taking somebody out to eat. Maybe it's writing a card. Maybe it's making a phone call. Maybe it's making amends with someone. They don't even know. Maybe they offended you. Uh, and you're doing those things. You're choosing love. Maybe it's getting to know someone you don't know across the aisle. You say, I've just been kind of coming. This is my church. I kind of come. I like Pastor Heath. I like the worship team. I like our church. I don't really know anybody. You got to, that's a family. We're family. You got to choose love. You got to choose love. Got to get to know. Got to get involved, invested in other people's lives. That's what it's about, being a family, because we choose to love one another. Would you just bow your head this morning and close your eyes? And I want you to just be honest with yourself. Number one. Because God chose me, have I been adopted into love?